With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello! Welcome! Welcome to The Fandom Show. Uh, the show where we talk to our favorites about their favorites. I am your host, Stephanie Malik. Uh, and I am also your host, Kai Green. Uh, and welcome to the second episode of The Fandom Show. So uh, today's episode is all about everyone's both new and old favorite uh, tabletop role-playing game, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, it was originally designed by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson and published in 1974. Uh, if you've never played it, you've certainly heard of it or know somebody who plays it. Maybe you'll start a campaign after this episode. Who knows? Uh, before we get into introducing our guests, I just want to do a quick fandom update from our last episode. Mm -hmm. um, so our last episode was about BTS and we went in knowing nothing Absolutely about BTS. Not a single thing. And Kaya, would you like to give them the grand update? Well, if you if you listen last time or watch last time, you'll know that um, I, was, I was embarrassingly bad at recognizing who was who in BTS and I promised that I would get better and uh, as, as did Steph. And so I made the concerted effort the next day to cover my own shame and humiliation by learning all of their faces and uh, names, uh, and in doing so became utterly addicted to BTS. Yes, we are both, thanks to that episode and thanks to M. Pornell, we are both in too deep. Yes. We have biases now, we're learning dance moves. So I guess what we're trying to tell you here is this show makes magic, and what you listen to here today could potentially change your life. Um, should we introduce our guests? I would Seth? love to bring on our guests. Yeah, okay. Uh, then in that case, uh, let's talk a little bit about our first guest, Chris Siddiqui. Uh, Chris Siddiqui is an award-winning comedian, if you, if you can believe it, and, and an actor based in Toronto. He's an alumni of the Second City Toronto, creator and co-writer of the acclaimed CBC Gem series, Bit Players, which is great, you should watch it, a voice actor in such kid cartoons as Hero Elementary, Monster Pack, and... And he can also be seen in the Amazon series The Boys and the Baroness Von Sketch Show. That's so many good things. Ah, and our other guest today is Sean Murray, who is a technician and improviser with the Bad Dog Theater Company and who has played Dungeons and Dragons for over 30 years. He's what? currently playing D&D &D with, well, this is in the bio, Evident the Fandom Show host, Kaya and Steph. Hey, wait, that's, that's us. us. Um, he's also a member of the acclaimed uh, comedy troupe Sex T-Rex. Um, with whom he has also played D&D. &D. Uh, Connor was a wizard, Julian was a ranger, Katie was a druid, uh, and John Blair joined it as a gnomish rogue. Uh, they were fighting zombies, and the deal was you had to cut off their hands instead of their heads, but everyone was a bit too high to play. D&D's uh, fun for everyone. Yay! Uh, so please welcome uh, Chris Adiki and Sean Murray! Yay! Yay! We did it! What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. Oh, doing doing good. Doing good. I don't want to outdo Sean, but you know what? Really I say good? I'm on the same level. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. But but ultimately you're doing better than Sean is yeah. what I get from that. Well, yeah. I mean, Sean is one of the most even keel dudes I know. That man could command a ship. I'm I'm like with his just his Chris Chris is at like apex neutral good, which is technically a purer good. 
you know, yeah. then my, I'm sort of like lawful, lawful good, good, I guess. What a perfect right. Already jumping that. into it. I, I love that. What, what would you say you are, Steph? Are you a, a, a good lawful good? Uh, I am lawful good or neutral good, I think. I I think I, I do what I, th- what I think is right. Right. Um, whether or not that is what is it's, awful. For those of you who don't know anything about D&D, what we're discussing right now is an alignment <laughs> chart, which we will get into in a second. But first, let's talk about just D&D in general. Um, yeah, so you, tell okay. us everything. Oh, <gasps> catchy. Surprise, we have bumpers. Oh. They're made by Sean. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, so um. please tell us how did you first get into Dungeons and Dragons? Mm. Chris, do you want to go first? Do you want to take it? Okay, I, I'll go first because I think it's it's a bit shorter than yours. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to, to how you got into okay. it. Okay. Because 30 years, that's a problem. Uh, how did I get into it? Okay, so I got into it when I was a kid. I had, and I don't know how I had them, but I had the, the Gary Gygax Monster Manual and the uh, player's handbook. I don't know how I had these things and I didn't know how to play the game. Cause as a kid, I'm flipping through them and I'm seeing percentages and ATK equals this. And I had no idea what, uh, it was all math, right? And as a kid, math is stupid. That's so, awful. Uh, but I had all the books and I could see what bugbears look like and boulettes and stuff like that, right? So I was just so intrigued by this game. So I always knew what it was um, and then I never really started playing. And, you know, Steph, you and I have gone on about how many role-playing games we've played and just our love of fantasy and role-playing. So it was only until I'd say maybe seven, eight years ago where a bunch of old, silly friends of ours, we got together at the comedy bar on Monday afternoons and we would play. And friend Jack Mosshammer was a dungeon master and Mark Andrada and Matt Watts and Dave Tomlinson and Dave was a wizard and... And uh, Mark was a monk, and actually, the first, first time we played, I wrote my uh, my episode of my show and just based it off what we did that first time. <laughs> I was like, I love this, I want to play, and it's also just a really great metaphor for life. Anyways, um, so I played with them, but we were playing an early edition, and then a few years go by, and our dear friend and one of my dearest uh, loves of my life, Jay McCarroll. Uh, him and I go way back and we're deep nerds and randomly he was just like, Hey, uh, Siddiqui, you ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? And I was like, I played a bit, I played a bit. He's like, you want to, you want to come join our table? And I was like, yeah. So I went to his house and the bug bit hard at his house. And then we all, it's like, we found our, our stride. We found our group. It was all like, it was like the perfect musician kind of bonding oh we're all jamming with each other perfectly (laughs) and then and then from there it was just like jay and i have called each other in the middle of the day to talk for hours about one or two D &D things i love that so it's just been a non-stop journey we actually uh to be really lame jay is over right now (laughs) and him and aurora are outside on the deck Mm. we were just talking about D &D. (laughs) So I could come in to talk about D and D. Chances are I'm going to leave, and we're still going to keep talking about D and D. So that's my thing, Sean. Yeah, I mean, beat that. Yeah, I mean, I, in some ways, I don't know. Is mine and my answer longer? I think it might be. Uh, it's hard to say, but like, yeah, I to- that totally resonates with me. Like those those friends that you have that it's just like 
conversation is always going to come to D and D at some point, whether it's like, Oh man, remember that time? Like those, like remember when stories or just being like, have you seen the new, whatever warlock subclass, man, this is, (laughs) this could be pretty intense if you combine it with a halfling paladin or whatever. (laughs) Like, yeah, I, I started when I was a little kid, like, uh, I was, I think six years old when I started to play. Um, so it, like it, it was a game that my older brother was playing and therefore was cool okay. sort of thing. And uh, like I was playing an old edition. It was like when they first started to call it advanced Dungeons and Dragons, like there was like, right. there was like basic Dungeons and Dragons and then advanced Dungeons and Dragons. This was all a part of second edition, I think. Got it. Um, right. And it had a like, because in my experience of D&D, the game kind of mutated out of uh, more board game type games, games like uh, Hero Quest and like, um, I mean, I'm too young for this, but games like Warhammer games and stuff like that. Uh, um, so yeah, I started playing D&D with uh, my older brother and his buddy uh, when I was six years old. I didn't really understand how any of it worked, but I was like, I'm going to be the guy from the Nintendo game Wizards and Warriors. And so I <laughs> uh, made a fighter named Kruos uh, and just tried to go up levels until I could get a panther uh, because that was just like, <laughs> like, that was your apex, you know? Yeah, and it's like, that's not something that fighters do, but like, you know, when you're playing with a six-year-old, hopefully you make some concessions. Oh my God. Hopefully. Uh, the, speaking as a 40-year-old man, I just got a panther <laughs> in my game last night because I'm a Beastmaster Ranger. Oh, yeah, you so are. it all comes Sex. full circle, pal. Having a panther is never not cool, I think. <laughs> I know. It doesn't matter yeah. what age you are. But, or what yeah, game you're playing, 100%. really. I mean, you could be playing Monopoly and if you somehow managed to get a panther, I think it would also yeah. be yeah. rather cool. That community yeah, chess right? card I'm would the boot. be wild. I'm the panther. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I guess like I guess like my arc from there is like I played it all through being a kid. I played it all through uh, school. Like obviously in like high school when all of our schedules were all in sync was like the real sort of like crucible of D and D. And when we started to like really kind of role play because our our little brains were starting to be like let's have drama, um, <laughs> you know and. Uh, we would have pretty intense we had a pretty intense campaign going through high school that lasted like two years and had like 16 people involved in it and was very epic and then so many people for D. &D. yeah it was huge and then i moved to toronto and went into theater school and since then i've mostly played D D with like theater types which is a very kind of different style experience if you've played with like D D nerds going to playing with like theater nerds because obviously D &D is a game with a lot of like sort of improv and acting uh aspects to it so uh the the type of game that you'd play with those people was very different and a lot less uh cracking the the manuals for you know oh with those people heavy words (laughs) (laughs) okay so my four-year-old bedtime story is about kona and the sumerian uh elon in the in the comment section um so okay you've both been playing for (laughs) for quite a while now those are both excellent uh, inspiring origin stories i love it and you've leveled up since then um see what i'm doing there those are Mm D &D references oh yeah i got i'm I'm on board (laughs) um but some of the people watching this show probably haven't played any D D at all um and i think a lot of people i I mean we're gonna we're gonna convince them otherwise right that's that's part of our job tonight but what uh i think 
a lot of people see this stuff on TV, either in like shows like Community or, or, or Stranger Things, and they kind of assess it as something that like, you know, people do in basements with, you know, um, with their friends, but and they Mountain don't do with those, people. with those people. Exactly. Um, so as people who have gotten into it in different ways, what, what are your favorite parts of D and D? Like, what are the, what are the things you use to like sell people on D and D when things, when they ask about it? Okay. I started last time you go this time. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, this is a nerd, like this is a, uh, you're looking for this sort of deep nerd stuff here. So this is a nerdy answer. Um, but <laughs> like the answer I have is that like in D and D is a rare example of a type of storytelling where we have the opportunity to follow elements in a story that nobody wanted to happen. Uh, <laughs> be because D and D has dice rolling in it. And like sometimes, when you know once like when we we have dramatic moments in D and D and we're excited about what might happen like will we succeed will we fail or like and, and you know there are all kinds of levels of detail within that and like in a story that's one person is writing and they're writing a book or they're writing like you know a bunch of people are writing and they're writing a tv show we all decide on what we want to have happen and then it happens um, in D and D, we can have the dice tell us that something that we want to happen is just not going to happen, unless we just sort of decide that, like, okay, we're going to cheat, we're going to allow us to cheat here, sort of thing. But it can be really fun following to where the unpredictable places that the dice tell us a story might go, um, because now we have to deal with, like, okay, well, what happens when Darth Vader accidentally, like nicks luke's jugular in that lightsaber fight and like oh you didn't want to kill him but they were fighting with swords you know things happen um, <laughs> like that's what the dice said rolls yeah. a one. you rolled a two yeah. Yeah. yeah and then they uh, kissed that was so weird <laughs> why did they kiss he knows <laughs> that was his sister he knows, that was his sister. He knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, but so i'm excited by that like i think it's a very unique thing about D D is that it can lead us down these interesting storytelling paths uh, that are different from conventional storytelling that you see in a book or on TV or in movies. Oh, great answer. I love that. Great answer. Okay, Chris, no pressure, but that was a good answer. Okay. Um, so my thing, I, I really feel, I've also felt this resurgence of just board games in general because mm -hmm. uh, not to talk out of school, but I believe we're all of the same generation, perhaps of the same age. So uh, being kids of the 80s, we kind of grew up with that as our games, you know? Video games were slowly introduced into the household. Computers were introduced later on, but there was always something about a board game and there's something very unique and, and just kind of simple about a board game. You know what I mean? So I think when games like Catan and stuff started coming back, there was this um, kind of uh, thirst for this like, uh, 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 like retrospective kind of you know, that's, that's nostalgia and that's that kind of nostalgia that we were looking for and not in a material way or a experiential way on the big screen or whatever. It was more of just like, let's play games again with each other. And this was such a game that, you know, Sean, you, I, I mean, you probably know every edition one to five. I never now, I'm, right? I, I never was into first edition. I, I think that's probably okay. before my time what a noob but nonetheless you know a lot of the other editions of this game right mm -hmm. yeah yeah so now me playing it at fifth edition and just going okay i know the rules now but and i mean you guys know me the one thing when i started latching on to D, &D is we started jay mccarroll's homebrew campaign but jay and i were like we want to play more we need to play more D D. So we asked our friend Tom, could you dungeon master us? And he was like, I'll take you through. Uh, yeah, I'll take you through. Sorry, I'm looking for the campaign book because I have it, but I'll take you through 
one of the uh, most well-known ones, the Ravenloft campaign, mm -hmm. Curse of Strahd, and it's basically like Dracula hunt. And, uh, and then I was like, I, and that's when I chose my thing. So as a performer, and, and to your point, Sean, I think this is where it comes in. Mm -hmm. I looked at D&D as where a lot of people look at it as a gaming system mm -hmm. and you're, you're sitting at a board and rolling dice. I was like, I want to play Gimli. I basically just want to be <laughs> Gimli the Dwarf. <laughs> Respect. And so I found a voice and said, great, take me through a game with this character. Mm -hmm. My first ones was kind of just like me. I was like, I wanted to be Chris, but a thief and a rogue. But I was like, wait a minute. I love characters. This is the perfect game to be this character. Uh, so to sell it to someone, I would say that it's like, you have to learn the rules, but when you do, it's the perfect board game slash imagination time with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great point. And like sort of a, a furthering on that, like, I think it's that idea of like, if you're a board game nut and you play a lot of board games, eventually you're going to start attributing character to the elements of this board game beyond what exists yeah. on the board. Right. And like, yes. I, I mentioned that, like, I kind of, that's how kind of I came to D and D th through playing games like hero quest which was essentially kind of beginner DD but like totally you play it enough times and you start to just be like oh how is my like elf different than the elf that i had last time okay, <laughs> right well, right and, and that's how you, the brain just starts to like role play and i think it's an excellent point of like yeah you usually in DD your first character is going to be kind of just like oh what would i do in this situation yeah, Imag yeah. imagine i had a cloak and a short sword what, how would i try to yeah. deal with this <laughs> And you sound like yourself and you feel a little, you know, a little, a little ashamed and a little embarrassed. Kind of like, well, no, your highness. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then you're like, no, I love this. And then you just fully, you turn into a dark drow or something <laughs> and you keep that voice and that intention. Yeah. So that, that, but that's me. That's the way I play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a good point that like, it's such a different game to different people, right? Like th there yeah. are those people who fully play it as the numbers game, the like ta yeah. tabletop war game. Uh, and, yeah. and they're just like, oh man, green flame blade, man. Yeah, that man. Can't, that I love those people though. So, so, okay. Those if you want to get people. really nerdy now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, where are you? Let's do this. Well, okay. So I love this now. So this is, this is a deeper thing mm -hmm. that uh, Sean will know very well, but there are three types of like, rule sets in Dungeons and Dragons, what they call raw, which is rules as written. So the rules as you'll find them laid out in the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook. Then there's, uh, what are the other two? There's raw, I there's- I don't know these distinctions that well really, but it, I think you're talking about like stuff that's like kind of accepted homebrew that's like, you'd find it in- That's right. You used to find it in Dragon Magazine, the magazine that like TSR would put out. Dragazine. Um, Dragazine. Dragazine. No, that's really, for drag race. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. has to be overlap. Anyway, please yeah, go on. There's got to be. I, the fact that no one's like that we d haven't seen the box of Dungeons and Drag Queens yet is is crazy. But it's good. a matter I know, of time. right? Yeah. But uh, and then like there's sort of like straight up homebrew where like you at your table, we're doing the rules like this. Uh, you know, I've decided that XYZ is is not fun in the game, so I'm going to change it or or what have you. Or I've just decided that like, mm, I, I think these races are boring and I want to do something that's like, you know, more anime. So your race is like has bunny ears and it just gives you a plus 10 to charisma and it's better <laughs> than other characters or whatever. Yeah. 
Aurora wanted to just be uh, Buffy because she liked Buffy the Vampire respect, Slayer. Respect, so major respect. Made it, yeah, right. And I was like, okay, well, Buffy is I, I, that sort of uh, that motif in storytelling is like a paladin. She's a paladin, mm -hmm. or like Obi Wan Kenobi is a paladin, right? Yep. Like, yeah. Someone may so have for my birthday made me a, a homebrew Shira D and D campaign and did like the character <laughs> sheets Amazing. for all the the Shira characters. That was That's me. Fine. I did that. <laughs> <laughs> okay so there's rules as written then there's rules as intended okay. mm. and the rules this means the rules as how the designers intended them to work mm -hmm. and then there's just and then there's i think it's the uh, roc and that's just the rule of cool right. <laughs> if the rule of cool stands <laughs> then that's if the coolest thing that you can come out with like no no i want to swing around the horse's neck and land on the saddle like Legolas and go, okay, I'm going to let that stand. That's, yes. that's fucking cool. That's just pure dopeness. Just let it go. 100%. That's, that's, that's such a good indicator of like what kind of table you're at when, if you'll be, if yes. you'll be shut down with stuff like, uh, you know, no, if you want to jump off the top of the wagon and make your attack as you're doing it, you're going to take D six points of damage. If you don't make your acrobatics check, it's like, Okay, man, but like, is, wouldn't it be awesome? <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all think that would be the but, best? And that's what I love about it. That's where the storytelling element, where you don't have to, you can put out the proposition of this thing you want to do mm -hmm. and go, we're going to let the dice decide. And the dice is that perfect decider. It's that random number generator mm -hmm. that lets you know if it works or not. Yeah. And you, that's like, as a kid playing, there's so many, like, uh, there's so many feelings of frustration when you're a kid and you're trying to like this villain, you're not supposed to fight this villain yet. You're not supposed to do it. And the person's like, no, I shoot him in the eye with my crossbow roll <laughs> yeah. and they roll the 20 and you're just like, well, okay, fine. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. You're never learning this lesson. <laughs> uh, so, so that's, uh, that's a interesting segue. Uh, I'm curious, is there anything that you two, uh, don't like about D and D? It's a tough question. We're asking again, you the hard questions. These are the big again, ones, you know? It's, it's, such a, it's such a different thing in different circumstances. And there are always moments of it that are troublesome. Like D&D &D as a game is just one of many role-playing games and one of many approaches to doing that. And like me being a nerd who's sort of gone through it for so many generations that I could say like, oh, I don't like how in fifth edition you kind of need to get to third level to get all your powers as a character. And that feels weird because like in theory, haven't I been a paladin all my life up until or like at least <laughs> at least for several years now, unless I'm like playing a teen or something. Yeah, you've just and, been coasting for most of your life <laughs> until the story started. Yeah. Yeah, and why? Like, why did I suddenly gain the ability to always be able to talk to animals because I killed a few monsters in the woods? It just doesn't make sense, right? Uh, but like, you know, so there's elements of it that are like these are goofy rules, or I like, you know, we we got to minimize this if we're trying to imagine reality or whatever. Uh, but I don't know about the experience. It's such a flexible experience that it's like if there's something that you don't like about yeah. it, then just don't do that thing, you know. Yeah, really. Like, I don't know. I don't even know if I know enough about it to not like it. There's so much I don't know about it now. Like, you know, they just wrote a book that's about uh, the college experience. Yeah. The, Strixhaven, so like, right? Uh, you, Is that it? Yeah. You go to a magic college and they've written rules on how to be like a hot mess at college. <laughs> So that's what I love about it. I also, so I, when I started coming into it, I just started sucking up everything. I loved everything about it. I guess, I mean, I guess with any kind of nerdy thing, the thing I don't like about it is this kind of sense of like, uh, 
the the originals who played it before and that's not D D. one of the most one of the coolest things i thought uh i had seen right at the beginning was uh someone had designed a wheelchair a combat wheelchair for D and i was like that's ridiculous but so is this whole game so why wouldn't you have a awesome wheelchair yeah i know right mm-hmm. like i i saw one the other day that there was a bard and uh, they were playing their instrument, and their wheels were also like a strumming instrument. I was like, that's wicked! But then you see, uh, you know, as nerds do, we follow our favorite things on social media, but then I see all these streams of social media nerds kind of shitting on this thing of why. if it just this, And this is where the whole idea of like uh, negativity and nerddom, I just don't get it, because if everything's made up anyway... <laughs> why does one thing matter than the other mm-hmm. yeah like if you have a pregnant dragon woman who's riding a panther mm-hmm. why does a wheelchair bother you yeah so it's a good question I think, again so just just like any any kind of thing that you love and respect whenever those people come about that are a bit uh holier than thou about it i guess yeah. i don't get that attachment though to nerd things you it's know? such yeah. a weird thing too because like in my experience of these nerdy narratives, like in video games and and in fantasy and stuff, like usually the heroes are people who embrace all kinds of different people into their worlds and they accept all kinds of different people into their worlds. And often that's like the thrust of the plot is like, let's learn to trust the people that we're supposed to have enmity towards or whatever. And yeah. then you got these people yeah. who are like, this is what I love. And but I am going to behave as a villain would in the stories that I love. Like, it's very confusing. Like, do you not see that? Do you not see the sort of like the hypocrisy of that, I guess? Yeah. I mean, it's also, this might be a dangerous thing to say, but there's this, also this new thing going about, about like make, making orcs more respectful. Yeah. Well, the whole. And making the drow more respectful. Yeah. And the drow are these. Uh, it's just. The dark elves. It's just a flat truth that like the game is racist. Uh, like it uses well yeah I mean well that's that's an interesting thing too right so this is where I'm going to get very philosophical about Dungeons and Dragons where here we like, go okay. <laughs> the, 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 the game had kind of racist roots right like a bunch of old white dudes sitting around creating it of course it's going to have that but at the same time there's something I don't know and maybe this is why I'm such a um, I like to verbalize my dumb opinions but I, I like having a world where that exists I don't know. Here and here's the other thing too. I think of monsters when I think of like orcs. I don't think of like a society. It's interesting that we superimpose that idea on something that's on a civilization of monsters. Like, hey, we should make them more respectable. Whereas we got so used to just slaying monsters in Lord of the Rings yeah. and everything else, right? So it's just these new interpretations that come up, which is really interesting. Which doesn't mean we can't have everything, right? Yeah. I like a little goblin racism in my game. Okay? <laughs> I guess that's what I'm saying. It's such a weird balance because like l- like so many uh, like action-based properties, like uh, our, our heroes who are supposed to think are good people are going to murder hundreds 
if not thousands other good people of, probably like, yeah. of, of, of thinking <laughs> creatures like because that's just the way that the game is built like, that's the way the game the is fun but, in theory yeah but it's part of the fun and i think that's also it's part of the the beauty of bringing our world into this fantasy world is that you can have a conversation with a troll but then kill it at the same time yeah. or you can meet a civilization of orcs and go these people are garbage and it can come back and, and choose to burn the whole thing down or save and them. it can kind of come back to where we started with that concept of the alignment wheel because like in the fictional world of dungeons and dragons where someone is like verifiably evil like you can you can like poke them and, and check the litmus paper and be like that that's evil <laughs> uh, like yeah. And you can you can say like, okay, well, you know, we got orcs and they're just all evil. That's just the deal. Except for obviously we want to tell stories about the the rare ones that aren't or whatever. But like right. it's just like, okay, well, it's fine to kill things that are evil. Or is it? Or do we believe in redemption? Do we want to try to like take prisoners and yeah. the classic D and D like moral dilemma of the goblin prisoner who now we've got this guy to talk. We just murdered all of his companions like in hot blood. We murdered all of his yeah. companions. <laughs> yeah. But now this like, the DM has to play this little goblin and he's given him a little cute voice and yeah. and and now we have to be like okay, I slit his throat and it's like ah that feels. Yeah. That feels bad now. Now it feels bad to do it. Now he's got a yeah. cute little voice. We don't want kill yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, What do you both think about the alignment chart? I think it's really great. I think uh, just just as a, a, a kind of, just a guide in and of itself is really great. So if you're a performer or improviser or writer even, that's a great handy thing to have. I was going to say, yeah. for anyone who might not know, the alignment chart is um, when you're creating your Dungeons & Dragons character, uh, there's nine different spots on it. Uh, there's lawful good, neutral good, chaotic good, uh, and then lawful neutral, true neutral, chaotic neutral, and then the evil versions of those. Yeah, it's basically like idea. there are sort of, <laughs> it's like there are two axes that you exist on. One is the axis of good and evil, and the other is the axis of law and chaos. And right. it's an interesting idea of like your respect for sort of the establishment doesn't reflect how good or evil you are of like you know your traditional your traditional example is like robin hood is chaotic good because like robin hood doesn't right. respect the laws of the local area because they're he believes those laws are evil right. um it doesn't mean he's and not then good. i always like using like darth vader is lawful evil mm -hmm. because he follows the rules but he kind of just destroys anything that's in his path yeah doesn't care about what suffering gets wrought and is really just climbing the ladder right. for his own personal power right yeah, it's part of the machine. Yeah. In fact, if you are a fan of any any property, any fictional property, you can probably Google that property plus alignment chart, and you will see probably hundreds of versions of people having put these characters into this alignment chart. Worth doing. You can find it for anything. Anything at all. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, well, uh, are there any just uh, classes of D&D characters that you will not play? Do you have any where you're like, nah, man, that sucks. It always sucks. Or any that you love to play yeah. just to, you know, keep it in, in the positive too. Like any that you're like, I will play this every time. I love me a fighter. I love me a paladin, whatever it is. Tell you, I love me a paladin. I started, I started these two paladin. new characters. <laughs> it was, because uh, I, I was playing this dwarf. And I was a paladin and then I was this dwarf, <laughs> right? But that, I, and then I was like, I want to play something completely different. So then I played a Goliath Barbarian. I basically just wanted to be Conan. Mm -hmm. And he was this giant, and I loved him. And I loved, he was so different because I could realize going, uh, 
with my DM, I was like, I just want to like Gerard Butler 300 kick this guy <laughs> off the platform. I don't want to <laughs> attack him. And he was like, okay, so roll this. And I, then I started, I'm so strong. I don't, I can punch through things and kill. I don't need a fucking weapon. I'm going to pick up a stone and throw it at these guys. So that was really, and then I made this monk and a lot of people, a lot of people shit on the monk. That's true. Right, Sean? I'm not wrong there. I mean, they're fools. They're fools to do this. <laughs> Stunning attack will take down your, uh, your oh. big bad real quick. I've seen it happen. Well, I'm, yeah. yeah, I made a feline monk. So I was like a cat monk. Oh, nice, nice. Nice tabaxi. Tabaxi monk. Yeah. And uh, because then I chose all the tabaxi racial traits and put them with the class Ooh, traits. Sneaky. Yeah. Exactly. That dexterity. So, oh, dude, you don't even know. <laughs> I don't. You don't even know. I don't. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know what? I there are so many classes I haven't played yet that I'm like, I haven't played a bard, and at first it was like bard, but now I'm like oh, a bard. You can play everything. Hundred percent. It's true. Yeah. There's upsides so. to bards. I played them. Yeah. Yeah. Side note: I wanted to create a campaign where it's a party of bards. <laughs> And they're running away from like the local town that they just did a show in <laughs> and just call the campaign Band on the Run. Please ask ah. Chris Wilson in just that. For that. He, yeah. I, I want he's to got see some, him play. He's got some bard experience. Yeah. Although I'm oh, not, sure, okay. not sure it would serve him in any way, but. Uh, no, 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 but it's um, entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't play as much as I DM. So uh, there aren't like, I don't have a ton of like, um, PC experience behind me. I, I guess like I either play like a very vanilla and similar to myself character, or I go completely ape shit and make a very weird character. So I'm I'm making a character now for a campaign I'm about to start with the guy who I played D and D with when I was six years old. <gasps> what? Um, and my your brother? Uh, no, uh, a friend of his, oh. Chris Bourne. Uh, not in the comedy That's community. Great. You wouldn't know him. Oh. Uh, but my character for this one is going to be a bard paladin multi-class. Okay. Who's, who's an, an illithid, uh, but he's an illithid who's suffering from partialism. So he's a Gith Yankee, right? One of the mortal enemies of the illithid that was a slave to the illithid for many years until his brain was eaten by them. But his personality survived, and now he's in the body of the illithid and he's fighting against his oppressors. Uh, and he's like, uses his, his bard thing psychically. He's a Gith Yankee, but he's in the body of the Illithid. Illithid, yeah. Illithid, the Mind Whoa. Flayers are like uh, the, the octopus faced. They're one of the sort of iconic D&D monsters. They got 10. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're very Lovecraftian kind Lovecraftian. of yeah. things. And, and they face. created the Gith Yankee. They did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Through years of slavery. And, yeah. uh, but uh, the deal is that they like lay little eggs and the eggs like, uh, you know, Commander Kirk into your brain and eat, eat your brain um, <laughs> and replace your personality. But sometimes it goes wrong. Would okay, can I ask Sean a quick question? Yeah, of course yeah. you can. What, so what, what do you, because there are also these people, mm -hmm. what do you rather? Do you rather DMing or playing? I, I mean, I, I like to DM and... Uh, that I is do phenomenal it. at it. Very, very Really, good. just for the record. Course, yeah. Phenomenal DM. Absolutely. Yeah, and I do it way more often than I play. Um, uh, but yeah, I love like DMing is super, super fun. You get to build the world. You get to watch people's reactions to the fun little like emotional roller coasters that you set up for them. Uh, yeah. And stuff like that. Steph knows. I have a very emotional character in our campaign and boy, it's, he gets put through the ring. There's a lot of, a lot of emo pop punk involved. <laughs> yeah. Simple plan does uh, come I'm airing your dirty laundry stuff. This is what's yeah. happening. <laughs> 
I love, uh, incidentally, that, that speaks to like, I love making the soundtrack when we're doing D&D, uh, like building the atmospheric soundtrack out of like, you know, video game music and pop music references and stuff like that. So I think that was my most fun time, Sean, at the old place when you and I could step off stage and connect. Oh, was that? From The Witcher. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Gotta love that Witcher. I am also, trick. I'm the sound designer for our D&D games oh, nice. too. So I I take very huge pride in that and really digging deep and going, oh, what soundtrack can I pull for more battle music? Mm. Yeah. Now we're about to play, uh, there's a new campaign called uh, Icewind Dale, Rime of the Frost Maiden. Is that the one with the and owl It takes on place the in the most northerly part of yeah. the Sword Coast. And so I was like, you know what? In this one, I don't want to do like old fantasy Skyrim Witcher music. I want to like do like a uh, like a Trent Reznor, Atticus mm. Ross kind of nice weird synthy kind of vibe. Yeah, a little girl that. with the dragon tattoo kind of soundtrack. Totally. Yeah, up, uh, I know what you're talking about. Look up uh, Nine Inch Nails Ghosts. That's got some great background stuff. Okay. I've been using the Watchmen soundtrack. That's a good the one. HBO. Nice. Very really good. good. Yeah. See, this is, I feel like this is just, <laughs> and this is uh, probably going to bring us into the next part of our show. I feel like this is just like a really, really good example of the fact that there really is no wrong way to play D&D. Like, if you're playing it in a cinematic way, you're playing it the right way. You know, if you're playing it for the numbers, you're playing it the right way. But then, ah, uh, with that said, you know, there are still the occasional nerds who just make a point of making sure that everyone else knows that they're playing it the wrong way. That's um, what I'm talking about. Which, which is why, unfortunately, right now, we have to move on to the worst segment of the show. Awful. Here comes the gatekeeper. Well, well, well. Couldn't help over here and you guys talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I mean, you were mostly talking about 5th edition. I don't know if I'd call that Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, oh, you know, the games <laughs> over the past 30 years, the game's gotten too easy. It's really lost its roots. I, I, I typically play Chainmail, you know, the original game from 1971. I'm sure you guys know. What, uh, mm -hmm. Dungeon Dragon Space Top? Yeah, that's mostly what I play. Yeah. Uh, hyper-realistic setting, by the way. We average about four or five player deaths per 12-hour session. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, no, it's... I heard you guys mention the rule of cool. Not for me. By the yeah, book. It's really important to know how many cubits of wood your character can carry. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, carry weights with that. I mean... <laughs> Sometimes I hear people playing games when I'm at the comic book store, just arguing with the clerk over the cost of comic books. And I hear people carrying multiple weapons. That's not realistic. That's not, no, you gotta carry weights a thing, people. If your strength is below 16, you get one weapon. That's that's my rule. Yeah, numbers are so fun. Eh? Yo, my favorite. I mean, math and killing people. I mean, what's what's a better combination? Not numbers, yeah. numbers in a very specific angle on uh, medieval history. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you're you're a dungeon master. You know, the dungeon master's job is to kill the players and make sure they have to create a new one next week. And uh, that's that's what I set out to do. <laughs> Philippe, clearly you're very interested in uh, as as a as a gatekeeper. You're very interested in very realistic games. Uh, do yeah, you yeah. DM any games? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I mentioned, I play. I currently DM a hyper realistic setting right now. We average a few player deaths per twelve hour session. Uh, low magic too. Like it's just not realistic having so much magic. Uh, in my games, it takes about six months to learn a first level spell. Um, so yeah, about that's how much? Kind of what goes. About how much time in the game is devoted to finding water? Uh, most of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
I'd say if the players go a while without telling me they've had a drink or eaten, uh, they're likely to pass out during combat of dehydration of the sort. So I don't I don't give them reminders. I just when it happens, I say, hey, your player is passing out from dehydration right now. And uh, we lost a few dozen players that way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if any of you want to join my session, I'm always looking for new players. A lot of them have to keep canceling for some reason. Uh, oh yeah, I'm super curious mm-hmm. what it is to sit at your table. I, I'm very, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very laissez-faire player, so uh, I don't pay attention to wood or time uh, or. Uh, <laughs> I mean, a lot of montages. It sounds like uh, in my world. It sounds like you don't know a lot about. You're probably not even a real D and D fan. It sounds like. I mean, uh, you probably don't even know the only spell that could block magic missiles. Oh, what about anti-magic missiles? <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, you're Sounds surprising, like a Sounds surprising, like a surprisingly close to correct. I mean, a- anti-magic shell will stop magic missiles, but shield is probably what you're looking for. Shield, yeah, there you go. Okay, someone knows their stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Wait, did you? Sorry, I was thinking of Baldur's Gate 2, which uh, you actually do have a spell called anti-magic missile, which is in the, the Faerun world right. in, the, in the land of the Forgotten Realm. Oh, yeah, a might spin-off have. game. Okay. Next thing you're going to Tell me you play Pathfinder too. <laughs> uh, it's too much, too many numbers. <laughs> uh, Philippe, is there a barrier to like what is the uh, initiation for your game to get in as a player? Mm-hmm. Well, I have players create about nine or ten characters, since you know most of them will die during the first session, um, and then I want at least a thirty-page backstory on each one, a uh, full family tree, um, and then I just give them a few like you know. Quick uh, tests of the system. Make sure they know what they're talking about. Nothing I hate more than waiting for a player to decide what they're going to do. I mean, it's painful. You need to know the history of the world. I mean, if your character exists in that world. Like, like for example, one thing I love to ask people is, uh, what year is it currently in Dungeons & Dragons as of the last release? I mean, in which, in which campaign setting? <laughs> uh, the most recent, uh, Descent into Avernus. What year? I'm does sure it take you could name in? the campaign setting, right? Yeah, De- Descent oh. into Avernus. I mean, that's that's well, that was that's that like came a, out a that's while like a ago. Module, if you want to do right? that one, yeah, <laughs> you're probably talking about it's the most recent realms, one, right? It's the most recent one. Yeah, Gatekeeper, I feel like they're yeah. showing you up a little, bud. No, 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 <laughs> I'm still in control. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I mean, uh, uh, what, Avernus, you're looking for? I mean, I mean, Bayat, I mean, that was Bayat. probably that was sometime in. Uh, the, I mean, believe it, it's it's 1494. It starts. Uh, so that's sort of okay. Lucky guess. Lucky guess. <laughs> lucky guess. Well, okay, what do you want? The year of the spell play? No, that's you okay. Do you want the, yeah. I definitely know that. And Avernus has been the first level layer of Beator for a long time now. Like, yeah, rib, that's definitely rib, a thing I know. Rib cage is rib, one of the nine hells. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah, yeah. rib. Ribcage, the gate town in the Outlands, is about to slip in, apparently. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, so far, Dis, the pit fiend that rules Avernus, has been uh, holding yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. Philippe, what do you do for a living? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, mostly buy and sell comic books. And uh, yeah, yeah it's, I spend a lot yeah. of time down at A&C Games just, you know, uh, <laughs> making sure p- only real nerds spend time in there. Um, yeah, I didn't know they sold comic books at ANC Games. Well, you have to you have to make a big stink about it, but they'll sell you some. <laughs> right. 
Yeah. Are, yeah, are you less of an employee, more of a volunteer at AMC Games? Uh, I, I'd Reed? say like... a public servant more so, you know. <laughs> right, cool. yeah, Make sure cool. only real. Do they ask you to maybe not come back tomorrow? Uh, not so much kind of thing? ask, more get legal documentation stating. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, okay. But okay. I still, you know, I'm a, I'm a tabletop gamer. I come in with a disguise, a little thing, none the wiser. What, what do you think about wheelchairs in Dungeons & Dragons? Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't like any homebrew. All all has to be out of the book. If you can't, I feel like that's the most realistic thing you can put in Dungeons and Dragons. No, oh. no. So someone, someone yeah, in Dungeons I mean, and Dragons with no. with realistic injury rules. I'm sure your characters are probably getting like their legs well, injured pretty frequently. So. They get left. They get left behind. That's <laughs> or spend six months well. studying a first level heal spell. That's, uh, well, I play no ranger left behind. Okay, mm -hmm. that's the way my games run. So, well, yeah. uh, here's one more thing for you guys. I mean, you sound like pretty low level players. So, uh, <laughs> why don't you tell me, with an armor class of five and one hit point, what's the weakest, feeblest creature in Dungeons and Dragons? I mean, fifth edition is probably a, a child or a, like <laughs> a rat, maybe <laughs> a rat. Yeah, yeah. Like a rat a, with its ten sturge, armor class, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> No, it's of course the gas spore. You guys never encountered a gas spore? But I a let gas out a spore, few gas spores. A gas spore is certainly not the weakest creature. You're talking about like this the beholder kin that like explodes into poison gas. Yeah. Yeah. Or looks like a beholder to like discourage creatures from oh, attacking it, it in the underdark. What's it that? can kill you after, but it's got really low armor class. So Yeah, that's I mean you that's can fuck true. it up. But I would still rather take on the rat. <laughs> I mean, Philippe, I think you I might guess. have been wrong about no, that. No, 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 I'm never wrong. wrong. I'm never wrong. wrong. So I'm disconnecting. I'm dis no. Uh, <laughs> oh, we did it. We oh, did it. We Yes! You guys defeated the gatekeeper! You did it! Gatekeepers are the worst! Gatekeepers are the worst, and we don't like them. You guys use iMovie, too? Yeah! Actually, all of these fun bumpers made by Sean Murray, the one and only! It's good that you did that, too, because I was about to roll for it to see if we could defeat him, and I'm not entirely confident that that would have worked <laughs> it might have been that i rolled a one and he got to talk for the rest of the show oh god so. thank goodness it's, we didn't leave it to chance it's funny that oh, philippe mentions like chain mail though i do still have like my mom played like D D uh when she was younger really and i still i still have one of the like old like 70s rule books like it's not D D, but it's like I think it's called like sword and sorcery or whatever. Oh yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's just hilarious to read the rules that they've got in there of like, this is the stuff that they felt like would be important for you to know. <laughs> yeah. Do you have an example? I mean, it's the, it's the first version of the game. You know, we mm. have to look at the very first editions of Dungeons and Dragons, the way we look at super Mario brothers, the most basic square 90 but, degree angle. Yeah. But it's, it's like it's, the old Testament. It's sort of strange. <laughs> it's strangely the opposite, though, right? Because it's like over time, the game has become much more like palatable, where in the past it was very arcane in terms of like the rules were very different depending on what kind of character you were and stuff. Like even when I started playing, it was like, oh, you're a, a dwarf and a paladin. Like you can only get up to level 10 because that's right. weird for you to be a dwarf and yeah. a paladin. So you're not allowed to get up to the higher levels. That <laughs> it's like, what? Why is another that weird old rule? You'd roll initiative every single time. What? Every every round, yeah. yeah. Every oh, round. Oh, that sounds exhausting. Oh. 
So it, yeah, it just to say nothing, everything of, just flies all to, over the place. To say nothing of Thaco, like that's kind of a legend of of weird game design in the old ones, where everybody would have a score that was your Thaco, which was two hit armor class zero, and it's like, okay, right. my Thaco's eleven, and their armor class, like Philippe said, is five. So I need a because it's eleven to hit zero. So you count up from that. And there was armor classes that were negative two, and you'd count down from that. Yeah, and it's like, oh boy, what a pain! Sounds like so much fun. Ridiculous. Yeah, you can yeah. you can kind of see why like it it wasn't very accessible to a large large swath yeah. of people. You really had to do the work to want to play it at a certain point. Yeah, you had to do the work, and those people had fun. And then, I mean, something we we never even mentioned was the satanic panic. Oh right, in the like oh, chick yeah. tracks and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and how. Uh, you know, uh, Dungeons and Dragons was to that as what Harry Potter was to like, you know, the new age kind of people who were oh, the touching the pearls over magic and demonic whatever. Yeah. And, and obvious, I mean, the classic made for TV movie, Mazes and Monsters. Which is available on Hanks. YouTube, by the way. It is? The full, yes, I have it saved. It we'll watch it later. The full video is available on YouTube. I, I mean, it's fantastic. Aurora and I watched it and we were more blown away with the guy who essentially invented LARPing. The guy was like, I want to play D&D in real life. Let's play in this cave system I found. And he set up all this elaborate stuff. I was like, this guy's LARPing, man. And now you can LARP wherever you want. You can also play D&D in a castle. He's, the world is oh. bananas right now. It's wonderful. The world is bananas. Um, I love it. Speaking of just like wild things that exist out there, uh, that brings us to our next segment, which is Fandom Finds. Fandom Finds. So this segment is where we uh, basically have gone through the internet and found a bunch of stuff for, to show you for oh, you to comment beautiful. on. So this first one is an old ad for Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I guess yeah. trying to get Jesse Eisner, uh, as you Eisenberg. commented, Eisenberg to play um, to play D and D. Yeah, Any for thoughts? those who are yeah. listening to this as a podcast, it's like a, a guy uh, leaning against a wall. The guy looks, in my personal opinion, like the spitting image. Of Jesse Eisenberg, and there's a bunch of kids uh, in a kitchen behind him, and it reads, "Who needs to hang around? I've got Dungeons and Dragons, which I would argue is hanging around." <laughs> yeah, I think that's the ultimate form of hanging <laughs> this, around. This, this this kid behind him, who's playing D and D in his sports jersey, is doesn't even get a chair. I know. <laughs> nope. Also, playing on the smallest table playing on like in a the kitchen world. island. That's uh, yeah. What the? <laughs> I will say though, that white kid in the overalls, I feel exactly like him, man. Yeah. God damn right, I'm playing D and D. I'm gonna pop my foot on the wall. Yeah, my and hang dirty out. ass sneakers. Yeah, he looks like <laughs> yeah, he's holding man. a skateboard, but is in fact holding a player handbook. He's he's oh, the James yeah. Dean of Dungeons and Dragons. Hundred really. <laughs> percent. Oh, so he's famous in the fandom. I can see. Right. Yeah. yeah, there were yeah. there were a lot of these old ads, and like, it's really hard to make a compelling uh, ad for Dungeons and Dragons. I remember back when like World of Warcraft was was huge, and like in comic books there was an ad going around forever that was just like this kid lit up with a blue light of his computer screen, and it, the the tagline was, "If you're gonna spend eight hours pretending you're an elf, why not do it with friends?" Um, That's like, a, like that would work on me. I'd be like. You're right. I should yeah. do this. With I should people. make some friends. And then I'll spend 16 hours just skinning animals. Warcraft. It yeah. is funny, though, when you make friends through imagination and then you have to talk to those imagination friends in real life. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so. How's it, uh, how's it going? Does, uh, yeah. Mm. What, what, 
What do you do for a living? <laughs> I love that belt you made. That was sick. Yeah. Oh, you're married. Oh, oh wow. Cool. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Your character isn't married, so that surprises me. Yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, you chose something yeah. so different. I'm sure wow. that's the conversation they're having. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's I'm sure that's what's going on here. Should we move on? Yes. Oh, the kids at the kitchen island? Yeah, yeah definitely. All right, let's go to the next one. Let her roll. So this is a this is a phenomenon called dice shaming. If you have seen this on the internet, our guess. Okay. Um, but if you haven't seen it on the internet, uh, for those who wouldn't look for this, this is a phenomenon that people are taking the dice that they rolled and then writing on a piece of paper the result of that roll, usually a, a one um, or a, a terrible dice roll, and they'll write on a piece of paper what happened because they rolled that dice. Yeah, so this one here, uh, if you're listening, I made my own uh, my owner get seduced by a tree. Not a special tree or anything. Just a tree. And it's a dice oh, with a one. Yeah, it's like the dog shaming thing. I was right. The dog shaming thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, there, we could probably do a whole episode on people's superstitions around their die rolls and stuff. Like how people think like a die might have a certain, only a certain number of high rolls in it for an evening. So you're. What? Really? And you're like. Yeah. Oh, Some of us I'm, have smudged oh, our not dice. rolling hot tonight. Well, yeah. the, the line of like, oh man, I wasted that 20 on my initiative or whatever. <laughs> We've done that. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I, have you, uh, have you ever done any of those things? Like put your dice in the freezer or like smoked them or any of those things, cleansed them anyway? I, I'm, Steph is raising her hand. <laughs> Yeah. Anything helps. Steph smokes her dice. Yeah. 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 I mean, that is a part of my D&D games, too. But yeah. Definitely, yeah. You know. Oh, yes. So this is an option if you're rolling poorly. Let's see the next one. Let her roll. <laughs> dice. <laughs> so this is, this is a meme with the, the pyramid, the hierarchy of needs, self-fulfillment needs, psychological needs, basic needs. And upon it is just written a big in like, like MS Paint. MS Paint dice. <laughs> do you guys buy a lot of dice? Like, do you collect that stuff a lot? Not dice because I have so many. I mean, I just have a case of dice sitting on my desk. Um, just in case. And I always want to. I want to buy every D&D thing I see. I want to own it all. But I just can't. I can't. More dice? I don't need more dice. You have to draw a line. I have to draw a line. I have to draw a line. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Maybe because of the DM thing. Like, I feel like players like to have, like, this is my set of dice for this character or whatever. Uh, but like, I just yeah. have a, like accumulation of 30 years of people leaving dice at my house. Lucky. So you just have like a lost and found of dice. Yeah, essentially. Someone comes it's over a, once. It's like, wait, awesome. what the fuck? Yeah, that happens for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is fun to have dice. This is my diamond D20. <laughs> Look, some of us have those. They're very important. They do. Us. They do make them yeah, out of some strange materials too, like you know, ivory. I've heard of ivory ones. I've heard of wood ones. Oh, I've yeah, heard of like, steel ones. I've heard Bones. of like yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, bones. Bone dice is pretty hardcore. That's alligator jawbone. What? Rolling those bones, man. Roll those yep. bones. I've heard of that. Yeah. What? Speaking of rolling, let it roll. Next one. <laughs> Uh, so this is a meme. Uh, it's got a picture of a guy covered in blood. It says, my party. No one has to get hurt. We'll just sneak past the guards. And then my party five minutes later. Uh, and it's a gentleman head to toe in blood. Thoughts yeah. as DMs yeah. and players? When when people get involved in the power fantasy of Dungeons and Dragons, there's a, there's a type of person who just really wants to 
um, you know, f the police, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so they're gonna they're gonna yeah. create some trouble, and uh, you know, they're they're gonna kill some guards. There, there's a term for people who just want to play D and D and just kill things. It's called a murder hobo. Everything all right? You guys okay? Did yeah, you spill I, everything I, I on flipped your a pen. A pen. I got okay. excited. Unremarkable. Yeah. <laughs> murder hobo. But you can be a murder hobo if you just want to run around and kill absolutely everyone. All mm-hmm. right. That's, that's what you're known as. And in theory, in this scenario, it also could have been a poor roll, right? Like a stealth roll. I know we've had a moment that I tell people all the time that might be oh, just funnier to moment. me than it is to other people. If somebody in our campaign uh, trying to give a thumbs up and rolling so poorly on it that we ended up in a, a gi- gigantic yes. battle that we had vi- a lot of trouble winning. Very high level person we Amazing. were against. It was awesome. So like, yeah, sometimes oh, that can happen, beautiful. right? Yeah, right. it's the sort of thing I was talking about before of like, nobody wanted this. Nobody asked for this. <laughs> Here we are and we'll deal with it and we'll end up almost dead. Uh, I think yeah, we're time yeah. for one more. Yeah, let's do one more. Okay, so this is uh, something I found. It's made by Mattel, and it was a Dungeons and Dragons handheld game from like the early '80s. Also, it looks like someone drew a penis on it. Wow! I mean, naturally, <laughs> it's somebody's handheld game from yeah. the early '80s. Yeah. Any thoughts on like these weird uh, trying to um, trying to sell editions of things that have nothing to do with the franchise? Like this is clearly. I don't know, man. It's Some just kind weird. of weird maze simulator or something. Yeah, I guess. Well, this apparently has everything. If it's trademark, this has to be the, oh, yeah, the glorious minds at Dungeons and Dragons that say, "Hey, we should do. We should get into this." Yeah, I guess. Like the the popcorn thought it gives me is just the sort of like video games. Of course, owe so much to Dungeons and Dragons uh, in their like sort of content monsters and sort of character designs it's just weird nowadays just in the way they work yeah the absolutely. way they work and stuff like it's weird that those games those video games are called role-playing games in my head it's like how much of a role-playing game is this really when you don't have the interaction of another brain that's like interpreting your choices and stuff like that i mean some games are able to do it better than others but it's just become a weird it's it's become a weird term that has a lot of that's lost some of its yeah. meaning i guess it's a bit of a catch-all term, isn't it? Yeah, because there are times like when you know when it, Jay and I talk about that in a video game, you can you could feel the walls, yeah. so you could push on the walls of the places where you can't go. But in Dungeons and Dragons, wherever you want to go, mm-hmm. whatever you want to do is doable. Yeah, well, it might take a session to plan for it, but we can come up with anything. Uh, this this yep. game seems to be entirely about pushing on the walls. <laughs> Very this literally. Is, this, this is also the funny thing about Dungeons & Dragons. Like, they're making a movie of Dungeons & Dragons. And I'm thinking, how do you make a movie of that? Because, because it's so there's unique. so many different levels. Do you make a movie about the world it's set in? Or, which I would do, do you make a world about the random strangers or the group of friends who come together and play the game and how they work out their life through this game dealing with each other because that's what Dungeons and Dragons is. Yeah, that would be an interesting story for sure. I mean, we see it in like these little one-offs a lot of the time, like, but but a a whole story dedicated to it would be interesting. Yeah. I'd love to see what they do with that. And maybe once it comes out, we'll we'll touch base again. that's the end of our segments. Uh, thank you so much to Sean Murray and Chris Siddiqui. Where Thanks can people us. find you if they want to talk to you about Dungeons and Dragons? Anything you want to plug? Oh, man, you can find me in the East End. I live at... Uh, <laughs> is, uh, no, wait. No, no, uh, no, 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 no. No, okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. You I do that too that. much. I give it away too much. 
Um, find me on Twitter. On on I mean Instagram. I guess uh, <laughs> on some TV yeah, shows. Listen to my, TV show. I got a I got a mini series on CBC. Oh yeah, you do. Called um, uh, Shit's Creek. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a few seasons of it. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, thank you, thank you for having me. And uh, but most importantly, for uh, all hundred and seventy thousand people watching, I need you to go to and listen to our Dungeons and Dragons podcast and, and let us know if it's any good. What's it called? Uh, it's called Critical Role. My name is Matt Mercer. <laughs> oh, of course, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's called Dwarven Moss. And little story, it's called Dwarven Moss because that's what our characters uh, roll and smoke in the Sword Coast. That's our strain of weed is Dwarven Moss. Oh, my nice. goodness. I'll ask you more about this strain later. Yeah, that, that, we'll to find out. that I feel speaks, speaks strongly to the type of campaign you are running, and I, I desperately want to go listen to that now. <laughs> Uh, it's fun. Where do people find you? Um, yeah, well, it makes sense to throw people, if they're watching this or listening to this, towards uh, D&D Live, which is also uh, part of the Bad Dog Comedy Theater. Uh, Steph's rocking some merch uh, from it right now. Uh, and yeah, we're doing a show for the next uh, four weeks on Mondays at 9 p.m., so come tune in to that because it's a goofy time that has precious little to do with Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so much to do with Snapchat filters, right? Yeah, there's a lot of Snapchat filters. Oh, yeah. It's, kind of a, loose, it's a loose version. Of it's inspired, inspired by, inspired by, yeah. A lot of characters found through Snapchat filters. Yeah. Just true. ask yeah. Liz Johnston. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, You're it's, not very wrong. Much, it's very much the seduced by a normal tree style of d <laughs> Right. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, If you are enjoying the show, uh, reach out to us, follow us, compliment us, don't insult us on social media. Uh, I'm at Stephanie with a PH underscore Malik, M A L E K. And I'm at the Kaya Green. Uh, There are multiple. I'm the best. It's uh, (laughs) T H E K Y A H and green like the color. Uh, And you can check out our gatekeeper who may may be continuing that at at Philippe Dimas. Uh, or he streams often uh, on Twitch as Folopo. Uh, tune in next Tuesday, uh, July 27th, for the fandom show Lord of the Rings edition. Lord of the Rings. Uh, with Molly Knox Ostertag, who I am a fangirl about. Uh, she wrote The Girl from the Sea, The Witch Boy, Strong Female Protagonist. These uh, uh, books. Oh, a I hail of a lot of excellent Sam and Frodo. Oh, it's going to be pretty gay. It's going to be pretty gay. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, uh, so the theme uh, to this show today was uh, Sparkle Mountain by Andrew uh, Wong. You should go check him out. Uh, tech was by Connor Lowe. Bumpers by the one and only Sean Murray, who is right up there. And this has been produced by Bad Dog Theater and Cardboard Sword Collective. Uh, for a full list of upcoming episodes, visit bagdogtheater.com uh, forward slash the fandom show. Thank you all so much. Thank you so much. Uh, keep loving the things you love and tell everyone about them. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar! Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. 
I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.